Today we will be having a communion at the end of service. So if you're watching with us at home, uh, grab yourself some cracker and some juice. And so we will be uh, taking part in communion here at the end of service today. So, so get that ready. Also, if you're watching online with us, um, be sure to send us an email with your information so that we can update your information in the, in the website. Uh, we may not, we may not be, um, you may not be here in person, but we still want you to get the email. So if you're watching online with us, send us your information at info at redeeminglovechurch.org, and we'll make sure that you guys get updated in the system as well. Well, listen, we're in our uh, Heart of Worship sermon series, and so today is the, the second um, installment in the Heart of Worship, and today we're going to be hearing from our worship director, Jamie Medic. And so uh, while he is transitioning from running, leading the guitar here on, on worship and coming out with his um, getting the ready to preach, um, let's just, um, I, I'm just super excited that he's coming today. Jamie has had a heart of worship uh, since a young man. Uh, he's always uh, sought to, to follow God through music to worship God, to be a worshiper of God. And uh, I know that there is something deep within him. And I'm, I'm very excited that he come and share this morning. When he went away for his internship, the, the thing that he studied the most was worship. Um, he's read books on worship that I haven't read yet. He's, he's studied things on worship that I haven't studied yet. And so no matter how old you are, whether you're, you're younger than Jamie or you're older than Jamie, you can get something from him because... Uh, he knows some things that you don't, I guarantee it, because I know that he knows some things that I don't know. We have discussions often, and I'm, and I'm always amazed at the level of revelation uh, that he brings sometimes. And so uh, welcome, Jamie, to the platform this morning. Jamie, come and share with us your heart. I think it's great that we get to... Yes, come on, welcome. I think it's great that we, as the body of Redeeming Love, get to hear... Uh, part of the heart of our worship director here at Redeeming Love. Amen? Amen. 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 Have your liberty. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Pastor Matt. Can you guys all hear me this morning? Yeah. Praise the Lord. Um, it is just obviously always such an honor to be up here sharing with you all, um, speaking to you, especially this morning about worship. Um, it wasn't until um, mid-afternoon yesterday that I found out um, that I'd also be um, up here leading worship. Um, so I, uh, realized it was the first time that, um, it's been just me and my siblings up here on this platform for probably a couple of years. Um, but we've been playing, uh, worship together since before we were, you know, even in high school. Um, so that was just an awesome, um, awesome moment for me this morning, even during worship. Um, and then the presence of God showed up too, which is, um, even more amazing. And, um, as Pastor Matt shared, I'm the, I've, I have been, and I am the current worship director here at Redeeming Love. Um, I've been... Uh, the worship director for probably over five years, if not five years at this point, around there, I think. Four years? Not that long? I lose track. Sometimes it feels like forever, and then sometimes it feels like it's been only about a month. Um, it's honestly just because I love, I love it so much. One of, the, one of the first things that I ever got a warning about when I became the worship director was don't let it get mundane. Don't let it get boring. Don't let it just be like, oh, it's just another Sunday. And the, um, the last five years of my life have been anything but just another Sunday. And every time I walk up on this platform, there is something much greater than a couple of guitars and pianos. Um, but the presence of God is, is always here. And um, it's, why, it's why, why we keep coming back every Sunday to worship God together. Amen. And um, 
And so I'm honored to be bringing you guys this message of worship this morning in our Heart of Worship series. Pastor Matt brought an amazing message last week when he talked about, um, when he talked about the heart of worship and kicked off this series. And, um, and I saw this series on the preaching calendar. We get the preaching calendar a couple months before 2021. And I saw the, saw the worship series right in the beginning of 2021. And um, I got really excited, um, not just because I figured Pastor Matt would ask me to share um, during this series, um, because I love sharing my heart with you guys, but also just because I I really do have such a heart for worship. I really um, have spent more time than anything out of everything you can find in the Bible, I've spent more time studying worship. I've spent more time um, being in worship, being a part of worship, being a part of worship services, both as a worship leader and also just as a worshiper. Um, I've, I've spent countless hours in different types of worship, whether it's corporate, whether it's personal, whether it's soaking, whether it's singing, whether it's, you know, we're not going to sing songs today. We're just going to get up there and just do an instrumental. You know, what, whatever it looks like, I, I've, I've researched, I've studied, I've been a part of so many different types of worship. And so I have, God has given me such a heart for worship, um, especially when it comes to music. I've been playing music since before I was six or around there. So it's been a, a, a good chunk of my life um, I've been uh, doing this. And so I want to bring up a, a, a point that Pastor Matt brought up last week. I want to kick off our message this morning with this quote. And it's, um, it's a definition of worship. And it says, it says, genuine worship is not something that is self-generated or that can be worked up within ourselves. It must rather be an outpouring of our hearts and a response to a realization of who God is. Pastor Matt shared this last week. This is from Systematic Theology. Uh, Wayne Grudem said this. This is absolutely true. This worship is is a response within our hearts. And and, um, I want to take this this, this quote here, I want to go just a little bit step further and hopefully we can unpack a bit more of what worship is and why we worship and what that response is. And so I, I, I say this, this is my stance for worship. It's very similar to, to his. I just add a little bit more context. I say the worship is the act of showing appreciation as a response to something God has done, something God can do, and for who God is. In church this morning, it is my intention um, that we look at scripture and we develop a, a better and a deeper understanding of what this response is to. Um, you know, I, I, I want to answer the question this morning, why do we worship? Why? Why is worship important? Why do we gather here on a Sunday and we worship God? We worship God with singing, we worship God with songs. Why do we worship? Why do we, why do we sing these songs? Why is it that sometimes we get this feeling in the midst of worship, this overwhelming feel of passion, this excitement where we just have to dance or we just have to sing, we just have to lift our hands or, or we get filled with, with a way of surrender and, and humility and we just have to get down on our knees. Why is it that that, no one ever had to tell me that I had to get down on my knees to feel like I should get down on my knees at this point. The, the, the feeling just came upon me. And so where, where does this come from? Where is the source of this response? And the obvious answer is God. Um, but hopefully we can get into this a little bit deeper this morning. Amen. And um, so let's just bow our heads and let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this worship series, God. Um, Lord, we thank you for every time we get to come together in this building um, or in our personal time and come before you and worship, God. Uh, We thank you for um, your presence being here. And Lord, I pray that uh, the words that we hear this morning, God, would resonate with us, God. It would touch our hearts and we would reflect moving forward, hopefully looking to develop a deeper level of worship so we can worship you greater. 
We give you all this in your name we pray. Church said, amen, amen, amen. amen. Church, it is not uncommon for me to find myself at a coffee shop. Many of you have seen me at these coffee shops run into me. Um, It is actually less uncommon for me to go to a coffee shop and run into somebody who knows my brother. Um, And even more so, every single time I run into somebody who knows my brother in in one of these coffee shops, they um, they have never once complained about him. They have never once said anything bad about him. In fact, they're, they're usually doing the complete opposite. They're usually singing his praises. Um, they're saying, you know, Jordan, man, that's, he's a great guy. He's so funny. Like that guy, he's really fast. He's really quick at what he does. And, and, and more often than not, I hear, man, Jordan just really knows how to make my day. Like just make, he's just really so thoughtful, really knew, knows how to make my day. And so, you know, I respond and I'm like, yeah, you know, Jordan is such a great guy, you know? Um, he is really, he's so funny, so fast, you know, really quick at what he does, um, you know? And uh, the, the praises do not fall short um, when people speak about my brother. Um, and um, you know, I'm usually, I usually just kind of play it off and like, yeah, that's Jordan, you know, you probably know him, you probably work with him or something here, and that's probably why you're saying that, you know, it's great. Um, but just for a minute, imagine with me if, if I walked into a coffee shop and someone runs up to me, right? They come up to me and they're just like, man, I love your brother, Jordan. And I'm just like, all right, same old, same old. You know, like here, go ahead, say great things about my brother. And they're like, man, I just, I just love him. You know, he is a little quiet, you know, and, you, you know, but once you get to know him, that, that short five foot six, you know, Italian, you know, he, uh, he just has such a passion for cooking food and uh, he is such a great saxophone player and just really knows so much about the game of cricket. Um, I would probably look at them and be like, we are not talking about the same guy here. Like, I really love your appreciation. I love the sincerity. Like, you, you're really trying hard here. I can, I can see it. But um, I'm like, no, there's no way. Like, like my brother's six foot, you know, he's not very short. Um, you know, he's got red hair, so he's a spitting image of his Irish heritage, you know. And though he is very passionate about Italian cooking, it's usually not until it's on a plate in front of him that somebody else cooked, you know. He's more passionate about eating it than actually cooking it. And, um, you know, he's a drummer. I've never, you know, we all saw that this morning. Jordan's an amazing drummer, um, not a saxophone player. And though he's very athletic, I can't say he knows anything about cricket except for that it's called cricket. And it probably doesn't involve a cricket. Um, So the only thing we can agree on, me and this individual, is that Jordan is a great guy. And I probably tell this person, you know, know, I think if you really got to know my brother Jordan, um, you'd really like him. You would like him even more. You know, you'd have a greater appreciation for who he is, but... Although your appreciation is sincere, that's not my brother. And that's the title of my message this morning. That's not my brother. And so I want to consider this within the context of worship. So often our passion is present. We lift our hands at the right time. We're doing all the forms of worship. But when we are asked the question, why do we worship God? Why do you worship God? Unfortunately, our answer sometimes falls between because we should and because he's God. And though both of those answers are true, how much more would it enhance our worship if we knew why we were worshiping God? Or or imagine this, we worship God from a real and genuine place within our hearts, filled with understanding and realization of who He is. Church, worship is an action. It is a response to something. 
And I hope that we can dive into that this morning, look into it, dive into the word, um, get into scripture. And so if you have your Bibles with you, I want to encourage you to open up to Genesis 22. Um, We're going to start right in verse one. Um, We should have it on the screens. I know this is probably making a lot of noise for you guys. Uh, We should have it on the screens. But if you have your word, I'll give you guys a moment to turn there as I turn there myself. I have a note here that says drink water. I did that intentionally because I found out last night I would be singing. So that's in there. Drink water. It's there. Um, And so some background. This is bothering me. Praise the Lord. All right. So some background. Abraham and his wife, Sarah, they're getting up there in age. Um, And by up there in age, I don't mean like late 20s. I mean like 100. Um, So they're getting up there in age. um, And there is a promise from God to Abraham that, that he would have many descendants through his son, Isaac. At this time, um, he didn't have that son Isaac yet. And Abraham's like, man, like we're getting up there. Like, you know, me and my wife, like I don't even know that we can have a kid. Um, but, you know, push comes to shove or whatever. God's miraculous hand unfolds. And Abraham and Sarah get their son Isaac in their late years. The miraculous hand of God. They name him Isaac. And so we move and fast forward a few years as we find ourselves in Genesis 22, and I just want to begin reading here in verse 1. It says this. It says, After these things, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall show you. And so Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, and his son Isaac. And so we see, um, we see God has fulfilled his promise to Abraham of delivering a son, delivers Isaac, the son to Abraham. Um, but now we see that God is asking Abraham to perform a sacrifice, which at the time was a traditional form of worship. Performing a sacrifice was a traditional form of worship. Um, you know, however, God has asked Isaac to be the one that's being sacrificed, which was not traditional. Um, and we will get into that later, but I do want to kind of just jump over that real quick. We will get into the fact that that was not traditional. Um, so don't, don't get caught up with that just yet. Um, but what I do want to focus in on is that Abraham didn't hesitate here. It says Abraham rose up early in the morning. And a lot of us did that today. We rose up early, you know, we saddled the kids up in the car. We headed to church to get here on time for worship. Um, and so the lack, of, um, the, hes- the lack of hesitance is what stands out to me as Abraham is so quick to worship God. You know, how many of us are rushing to get here on a Sunday morning, rushing to get here? Um, you know, for, I-, I can think of so many times uh, when, when I was much younger, rushing up Hoosick, because I don't speed now, rushing up Hoosick, um, looking out for cops because I'm trying to get to church on time because I want to be there on time. I'm like, I know this one on 7th. I know that there's another one up by the subway. Um, and sometimes there's a guy sitting at the firehouse. So you got to slow down once we all merge together, you know? And, um, and so we've got it all laid out. Jordan, Jason, and I have spent many times mapping out co- uh, where the cops are. We're rushing to church, you know? I remember fielding text messages, hey, cops shooting radar off of Hoosick, you know? Like, and I'm like, yo, make sure we're all going slow, you know? 
Yeah, or, you know, I'm passing, I'm going up Hoosick, and, like, I look off to the right, cops got somebody. You know, it's my, it's Jordan. Um, and I'm like, oh, man, not again, you know? No, I'm just kidding. That doesn't happen really at all. Um, but I love Abraham's lack of hesitancy. He gets up early, rushes, gets up early, you know? And um, especially after, after God reminds Abraham of the promise, you know? You know, Abraham, he says this, your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, it's almost, like Abraham, it's almost like God is showing Abraham, like, hey, remember that thing I did for you? Remember how, like, you didn't think that was going to happen? Remember how, like, you were getting up there in age, but I, I delivered a promise. I, I remember what I gave you. Remember what I blessed you? Like, hey, why don't you, um, why don't you come and worship me? I'm going to ask that you come and worship me now. And Abraham, without hesitation, responds immediately by rising up early in the morning. And we see this genuine response here, and it's a connection that is built on something God has done. God was the one who provided Isaac to Abraham. God was the one that gave Abraham a son when, you know, uh, biologically, and, and, and not biologically, uh, by, whereas, um, you know, according to what we know as human science, that's not possible, you know? And um, as I mentioned earlier, one of the reasons we worship God is we worship God because of what he has done. And so even this morning, we sang, we sang that song. It was the second song we sang. We sang, For God So Loved. We sang a song this morning about how God loved us first. And we're responding to him and worshiping him, and we're thanking him for what he has done. God sent his son to us so that we could spend eternity with him. And here we are on a Sunday morning, thousands, thousands of years later, worshiping him for that very act. And so God gave Abraham a son, and Abraham's response is this. He goes, you know what, God? You know what? You asked me to go to this mountain and worship you, and I could go later in the day, you know? Um, God didn't give Abraham a specific time to go. He didn't say, hey, tomorrow, get up early and go worship me. He just said, hey, I just want you to go to this mountain at some point in time and just worship me. But Abraham's like, you know what? I'm going to get up not just tomorrow and go. I'm going to get up early and go. Because if, we're, if any of us in this room are ever getting up early for something, it's probably because it's important. I don't know anybody in here who actively gets up at 3.30 in the morning unless you're going for your job or like you're heading on a vacation or something, because those are the only two reasons why I can imagine somebody would want to get up that early. Or you're getting up for your kid, you know, your child. Outside of that, we're all sleeping in, you know? I know, I mean, I'm, I'm an adult. We, most of us are adults. Like, we like sleeping in. Like, if we can sleep in, like, I'm not setting that alarm, you know? Um, and so Abraham rises up early in the morning because he goes, I want to show appreciation. I want to go that extra step and I want to show God this is important to me. This matters to me. And so to, to show God, because yes, God asked me to do something. He asked me to go in and offer a sacrifice. But you know what? One step further, I'm going to go and I'm going to go the extra step and show that God, I, I really do appreciate the blessing that you gave me. And appreciation is such a large component of worship. And, and church, how many of us here have ever felt appreciated for something we've done? You can raise your hands. How many of us have genuinely ever felt appreciated for something we've done? It, it does what? It adds value to our purpose, to something we did, to something we're, we're doing. Um, I, you know, I've been married for just over six months now, and I'm not going to sit up here and say that I'm any type of expert by any means. But what I will say is that... Um, is that I know that marriage is a team thing, 
And, uh, you know, Danielle does her part and I'm doing my part and we're doing it together. And, um, you know, sometimes we both find ourselves doing things we didn't necessarily think we'd be doing in, in, our, in our early stages of marriage, which is fine. But, um, you know, I, I, so often I'll wake up in the morning. This happened just the other week. I'll wake up in the morning, right? And I'll go to make my cup of coffee. So I'm making my cup of coffee. I look around the kitchen, and I'm like, man, this kitchen's clean. This is not how I left it. I know, because I cooked last night. This is not how Jamie leaves a kitchen. And I'm looking around the kitchen, and it, the kitchen is clean. I mean, like, you ever been in a kitchen that's so clean, like, you're afraid to, like, cook anything? You're like, whoever cleaned this has the sole rights to using it first, you know? Like, I don't want to even get coffee on the, on the counter, none of that. And, you know, I'm like, who in the world did this? You know, and I know it's obviously Danielle, you know, no one else lives with us. Um, and so I know it's Dan. So I, I'm like, man, like Danielle, she's so great. Wow. That's awesome that she did that. She didn't have to do that, you know. Um, but you know what? I'm going to, I really want to know. I want, I want her to know that I appreciate her. So I'm going to make her, her cup of coffee this morning. So I whip up her cup of coffee, la-di-da, making her cup of coffee. I make it just like, just how she likes it. You know, that Fruity Pebbles creamer in there, just a splash, you know. And so I come on over the morning and I bring it on over to Danielle. I'm like, hey, hey, babe, first off, you look beautiful. Secondly, you know, I made you the cup of coffee just how you like it. You know, a little extra warm. I got it all ready for you. And um, I just want you to know how much I appreciate that you clean the kitchen. And um, so Danielle takes the cup, you know. I want Danielle to know that I really appreciate what she did. I'm not playing games here. I'm not being superficial. I'm being genuine. Like, I genuinely made that cup of coffee with love, you know. And so it better taste good. It's going to taste good. And uh, because, you know, it's, it's made with love, and that's what matters. And I, so I really want her to know. And then I can't, like, run to the store and buy her flowers yet because everything's still closed. You know, so, like, th- what's the quickest thing I could do? Make a cup of coffee for her. So I make her a cup of coffee, and um, I give it to her, and... You know, she takes it and she goes, and I thank her for, for cleaning the kitchen because obviously she did it. I didn't do it in my sleep. And, um, and she goes, well, I know you worked all day and you came home from work last night and you did schoolwork for several hours until you were really, until it was really late. And then, you know, we had dinner and um, I cleaned the kitchen because I didn't want you to feel like you had to, you know, and... And I'm like, dang, like, what else can I do? <laughs> you know, like, here's Danielle showing appreciation to me for something that I did because Danielle knows that marriage is a team thing. Danielle knows that I'm working all day yesterday and I'm doing school for us. I'm doing it for her. And so Danielle's like, no, I, I didn't think I'd be cleaning the kitchen. You know, I didn't know, I, you know, this isn't a rule that's in our, in our home. You know, we don't have a rule pinned up somewhere like the woman cleans the kitchen. Like, we don't believe in that. We, we throw all those things aside. We don't, we don't have that in our home. But Danielle, again, maybe this wasn't something that she thought that she was going to do in marriage. We, I, I never put this responsibility on her. This wasn't in the vows. Like, you know, and I do if you clean the kitchen, you know, but this wasn't there. This wasn't a command. But Danielle saw what I was doing for her. I was working. I didn't think that I'd be working that particular job that I was working the day, you know, the day before. You know, I didn't think that I'd still be in school at this time. I thought I would have finished up last semester, but I'm still in, I'm still finishing the, the, the degree up and I'm still I'm still doing these things I didn't think I'd be doing. So we're both doing these things for us, for our team. And here's Danielle taking the initiative like, well, I saw that you were doing all of this. And so I wanted to go the extra step. And I wanted to make sure that you didn't feel like you had to clean the kitchen. There's no command there for Danielle to do that. But she wanted to show 
me that she appreciated what I was doing. And that just fills me up so much to want to go out there the next day and do those same things again that I didn't necessarily see myself doing or that I wanted to do. And, um, and appreciation is just such a key point to worship here. We see Abraham is doing the same exact thing. And we see that he gets up early. There was no command for him to get up early, but he gets up early to go because he recognized something that God had done. That he wanted to show the appreciation by taking the extra step. He wanted, he wanted to show the appreciation, but the, the response there was spurred out of something that God had done. It was the fact that God had already blessed Abraham. And God has given each one of us, whether we recognize it or not, God has given each one of us a gift. And so we can respond to God in appreciation, in worship, with, and, and, tr- and go that extra step and worship him. And we can get that same sense of over, overwhelming passion that Abraham got. And it's like, you know what? Like, you know, there is a command for me to come and worship God, but I'm going to go the extra step. And I'm going to, you know, whether it's get to worship early or whether it's like, you know what? Like, I really want God to know how much I appreciate him. And I just feel the sense to just lift my hands this morning or get down on my knees this morning and really show God through an action through, this is a response here. God, I appreciate what you've done. And just like we all want that appreciation, it's that, it's that feeling, it's that emotion that we get. God gets that same exact feeling. God loves when we appreciate him, when we show him appreciation. He has emotions just like you and I. And so God loves it when we take that extra step and show him appreciation. And so let's just continue reading on in Genesis 22, 4 through 5. It says this, it says, uh, He cut the wood for the burnt offering and set out and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place far away. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship him. Watch this. And then we will come back to you. I love Abraham's faith here. We worship and then we will come back. Church, let me tell you this. Faith, faith elevates worship. Your faith elevates your worship. Faith is recognizing what God can do even if we have never seen it done. Abraham says, the boy and I, we will return. God asked Abraham to offer up Isaac. Abraham is like, yo, we're both coming back. You know, he's like, hey, go take yourself up the hill and offer him as a sacrifice. And Abraham's like, that's great. I will. Like Abraham still had all intentions of, of offering his son up, you know, which we'll get to when we get to that verse, offering his son up. But he's like, we're, we're both coming back. Like, wow, Abraham's faith here. This doesn't mean, again, this, this doesn't mean that Abraham wasn't going to go and offer up Isaac. He had all intentions to do that. It just means that he had faith that God could do something about it. I love how Hebrews, the book of Hebrews writes this. Hebrews eleven seventeen through 19. It says this. It says, by faith, Abraham, when put to the test, offered up Isaac. He who had received the promises was ready to offer up his only son of whom he had been told. It is through Isaac that descendants shall be named for you. That was the promise we, we talked about earlier. He considered the fact, here it is. 
He considered the fact that God is able even to raise someone from the dead, which had not been done yet. And figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Church, we worship God because of what he can do. Because of what he can do. Our faith can be built on a lot of things. We can build our faith on experiences. We can build our faith on revelation. We can build our faith on reading the word of God. We can build our faith on past revelation of uh, previous pastors and spiritual leaders. We can build our faith on a lot of things. And so often we sing songs about, you know, how God can move mountains and, you know, how God can restore my soul. I haven't seen God move that mountain yet. Uh, You know, we sang the song this morning uh, during worship, Awake My Soul. We sing the song, God, awake my soul. We open up and worship with the song. God, awake my soul. What? To worship, to sing praises, to see your presence come into this place. I can tell you that some of us, when we came in this morning, like we're singing that song and like, God, wake me up. You know, another sip of coffee. God, come on, awake my soul. Like, I really want to worship you this morning. Really want to praise you. It hadn't happened yet, but we were still worshiping God for what he could do. God could still awake my soul. God is still going to show up at, at some point in time in this worship service. And God is going to ready my heart, ready my soul this morning morning so that I can worship him from that true point of worship, that true heart of worship. And so we even sang a song this morning about what God could do. And this wasn't a long-term thing. We weren't saying, God, awake my soul in 40 years, you know. No, it was awake my soul now, awake my soul this morning. Right now, as I'm singing, as the words are coming out of my mouth, it hasn't happened yet, but God, I'm worshiping you. And I believe that you can awake my soul because I know that you can do something about my weakness, about where I'm at. And how many of us, how many of us are coming to church on a Sunday morning, and we're not, we're not feeling our best. It's the end of the week. Sometimes we're feeling drawn out. We're feeling worn. You know, we, we're, we're working nine to five, Monday through Friday. We've got really difficult coworkers. You know, we, sometimes we come to church because we, we need the body and we need God to encourage us, to restore us and to fill us. And so, you know, some of us be coming in and Sunday's the beginning of your week. And you're just like, yes, God, awake my soul. You know, it's beautiful. And some of us are coming in and we're just, we're just destroyed. We are just empty. We're just like, God, awake my soul. And it's a point of desperation. God, if you don't awake my soul, then, then I'm going to have to have another cup of coffee. Like, God, uh, do it. It's out of desperation here. And some, some of us are crying and, 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 and this is, um, and this is, this is great. You know, we believe that God can do this. Abraham believed that God could do something about the fact that he, that his son was about to be offered. His son was about to be killed. That's what it means to perform a sacrifice. It means to kill something. And so Abraham believed that, listen, God can do something about this. Listen, if God, Abraham knew this, if God gave me my son once, he can do it again. See, the first time Abraham got Isaac, it was a miracle. He was 100 years old. And so Abraham's like, you know what? If he gave him to me when I was 100, and that was impossible, then he can give him to me in another situation that's miraculous as well. And I want to I touch on building our faith. Um, because I love how Abraham says this right before. He goes, we will worship. You know, we will come back but he says, we will worship. And I just want to talk about the importance of corporate worship because there's two types of worship. There's corporate worship and then there's personal worship, you know, when we're by ourselves with God because we don't have to worship God just at church. We can worship him at home, but there is, there is a large element where corporate worship is important. In fact, I, I almost want to go to the point and say that it's necessary. Corporate worship is, 
looks to accomplish two things. For us to come together as a unified body in Christ and worship God under, under one goal, under one vision, under, under one, one thing that we're worshiping together. It's unity. You know, it's kind of like, um, you know, I can send somebody a card and say, hey, happy birthday. We love you. Or I love you. Or I can get everyone together. We can throw a big surprise party and then they can come through. We can all scream, we love you. You know, which one is going to hold way more value? Obviously, like we're emotional beings. And so all of us throwing a surprise party is going to mean way more than just sending that personal card. The, 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 the personal card is meaningful, though it's important, though it sometimes needs to be more necessary than the big gathering. That big gathering carries so much more. It's like, wow, like not only just you, but all of us together came and they all came to show appreciation to me. And this is what God is like when we all get together here. God gets excited when we're in the room. God gets excited to do things when we're all here together. Like, look at, they all came out. They all came with this expectation. They all came with this faith that I'm going to do something because of stuff that I've done or because of who I am or because what I am doing. And they came with this faith, this expectation. And God is not a God that withholds his promises. And so God's going to be like, you know what, let's see who we can touch today. And I'll tell you what, for me, sorry, and the second point for um, corporate worship is so that we can encourage one another. So we encourage one another. And this is where I was going. For me, there are so many times I'm in worship and whether I'm up here playing guitar or I'm, I'm down there with you guys and we're worshiping together. And there's so many times I, I, I'm looking around and I see I see someone who's just on their knees and their hands are lifted and tears are just coming down their face. And like, I was just like, man, like I wasn't feeling anything. But I look over and I see this person and they are just pouring their heart out to God. And I'm, I'm not jealous. I'm not like, man, I wish I was like that. Or I'm not making fun of them. I'm like, man, like look at them crying. Like I should get them a tissue. You know, I'm not doing that either. What's actually happening in my mind is, wow, God is really touching them right now. God is here right now. And it actually encourages me to take a deeper look at to what is happening. What, what song are we singing? What are we actually singing about? You know, I'm like, how am I, like, what am I missing here? And maybe it's for them personally, but then at the end of the day, you know what? God is here and I'm going to keep worshiping, even if it's just for that person. And I want them to look over and see that I'm engaged in worship with them because I don't want them to look around and get distracted. Like I'm having a miserable time over here. Like God's not touching me the way he's touching that person. And then the guy looks up and then he feels bad or she feels bad for worshiping God. Or they're embarrassed because they're crying. Like, no, please cry. We got plenty of tissues here. Like they, no one should feel bad about being touched by God. And that's what the corporate worship is here for. It's to encourage those who are being touched by God. And then it's for us ourselves to be encouraged. And there's, there's nothing quite like faith being built when that encouragement comes. Like, it, it's just like when Abraham, like we're reading about Abraham's experiences here and my faith is growing. Like, I'm not Abraham. I'm not his son. I'm, I wasn't even born at that time. But just reading about Abraham's experience here, reading about his stories is building my faith. And the, the, the corporate body does that here every Sunday. And so often, you know, we have moments where people are coming up on the platform, leaders or a worship leader, a leader will come up and they'll share something from the platform. And it's not what we're singing, but it's, it's something that God gave to that leader to share with the rest of us. And I'm like, wow, that was for me. I needed that. Like, I wasn't going to get that playing the radio at home. Like, clearly God wanted me to be here to hear that message. Yeah, yeah, and so the corporate worship is so important because God begins to use 
different gifts within the body to build our faith. Corporate worship is, is a great faith builder. That's not really one of the points with here in Genesis 2, but I felt we needed to touch on that. Um, so let's just continue reading in Genesis 22. Start reading in verse 6. It says, Abraham, Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and he laid it, and he laid it on his son Isaac and he himself carried the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together and Isaac said to his father, Abraham, father, and he said, here I am, my son. He said, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering. My son, and then the two of them walked on together. When they came to the place that God had shown him, Abraham built an altar there and he laid down the wood in order and bound his son Isaac and he laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and he took the knife to kill his son. We'll just pause. I get it. This is heavy stuff. There's a lot going on here. You know, um, so often I have, I myself have read this. I have seen people read this passage and we get very caught up. Um, we get very caught up with the knife, understandably so. Um, but I want to say that the knife is not the most important thing that's happening here. It's not the fact that Abraham is killing Isaac either. It's not, it's not that. That's not the most important thing that's happening here. Sacrifice was a common form of worship back in the Old Testament. This is how they worship. We sing songs, they killed animals. This is how this worked in the Old Testament. Clearly from scripture, we know that child sacrifice is frowned upon. God did not condone it. God was not for it. We also know that from the beginning of this chapter, it said, after these things, God tested Abraham. So this is a test for Abraham. God is not going to allow Abraham to kill his son. This is merely a test. Now, I don't want all of us to go out of here and think like, yeah, God really asked me to rob a bank. You know, he was testing me and I was going to do it, but he was testing me. So don't think that either. Not everything's a test, okay? So don't get in your head. This particular instance, it says God was testing him. Doesn't always say that in scripture. In this particular instance, it was saying that. We have to lay down some ground rules before we move forward. So this is in no way condoning or justifying the fact that Abraham is about to kill his son. Instead, it's better to look at what God is more focused on here, which is what? I like, I like the response. Perfect. Yeah. Abraham's heart. Beautiful. Abraham's heart. God is focused on Abraham's heart. God is often more concerned with our heart than our form of worship. It's not that the form of worship isn't important. Keyword, more concerned. He's more concerned. If our heart is in the right place, and there's a really great chance that the form of worship that we're responding with is coming from that place. We don't need to be told to fall on our knees or sing. More often, these responses is a reflection of what is happening on our heart and what God is doing on our heart. We see more situations in scripture where God is correcting the heart rather than the outward expression. This is a situation where God is going to correct the form because there are plenty of times where there, there are correct and incorrect forms of worship. So there, there, there is a, an actual list of correct forms of worship. So don't think that you can worship God with whatever floats your fancy. There are correct and incorrect forms of worship. And scripture is very obvious to tell us that. It's just more common that we see God being more focused in correcting the heart than we do him correcting the form because they had the Bible to correct the, the form. They could just be like, yes, that's not appropriate. Yes, that's appropriate. Whereas the heart, that's something that it's not easy to judge. 
for, for us, but God can see the heart. And so there's a passage in Matthew. I'll just, we'll just jump ahead. There's a passage in Matthew that illustrates this very well. Matthew 21 verses 12, it says, then Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who were selling and buying the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to him, said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Church, what is happening here is Jesus is not upset with the guys who are selling, with the, the men who are selling doves or the money exchangers. He's not upset with, with the doves. It says, it says in Luke that, you know, you were to come to the temple and sacrifice two doves. So he's not upset with the fact that they're sacrificing doves. This wasn't a critical moment where the form of worship changed. He's not flipping the tables over because, because of the doves. He's not, flipping the, he's, not, he's not upset with the money changer. They needed to bring the best coin. They needed to bring their most valuable coin, the, the, the one with the least um, imperfections. They needed to bring that. That was, that was how, ways that they were worshiping God then. What he's upset about is that the heart aspect of worship has been removed. Instead of the believers bringing their best to the temple, instead of the believers bringing the two doves or bringing the two pigeons or bringing their best coin, the elders created a convenient situation for individuals to just show up, purchase doves, and then be on their way. They could show up with whatever raggedy coins they had, and just throw them on the table, take the good-looking coin, and then call it a day. God isn't looking for what's convenient. He's looking for the authenticity of our heart. God's not looking for fast food prayer. You know, I know someone tried launching drive through church back at the beginning of COVID. Um, that's not what God's looking for. You know, under the COVID circumstances, it probably would have been great. Um, but it's not what God's looking for. God is looking for the authenticity of our heart. And I started, I started to think of, um, you know, what does this look like in the church today? You know, um, we don't sacrifice animals anymore. You know, Peter would shut us down. Um, you know, we don't really, we, we, we tithe, but we don't come and bring the most beautiful coin. You know, our form of worship has changed over the years due to culture and things like that. Um, so what does, what does this look like in our daily worship? Like in what instance is Jesus going to come in and flip over the tables in our daily worship? Because it's not a point of convenience for us so much. It's, it's really actually a manipulation on a form of worship to make it convenient. So it's not just like, well, like we can come to worship and put a CD in and the worship team doesn't have to play. Like God's not going to come in and crack the CD and happy like, you need to have a worship team. Like he's not going to do that. It's not, again, not the point of convenience here. What is, it's the point of manipulation on a form of worship because God is after the heart. And so God, so Jesus would probably walk into this church, not this church, this church is fantastic. He would walk into another heathen church, <laughs> walk into some other church probably start smashing the guitars, flipping the keyboards, because that's the form of worship that we use today. We worship God with keyboards, with drums. So God would come in, and it's not a rock show. He's really just smashing guitars because it's being misused. You know, worship team's all upset. Um, because we can so easily get caught up with everything that is happening on this platform that has less to do with worship. There's a lot of things that happen on this platform. I know it's black into every plane. Um, and we try to make it as less distracting for everyone here as possible. 
But there are a lot of different things that are happening on this platform throughout worship. You know, we, and, and, and everything is done with the heart to enhance worship. You know, that's what we're talking about, to bring a, a deeper, deeper form of worship, to, to enhance our worship. And so we have changing lights. We also have changing lights so we can see pastor's face. You know, we have guitars with, sound, with uh, pedal boards. We have keyboards and laptops and, and drums and things are mic'd, you know. We have cages so that the drums, when, when they're hitting them, aren't, you know, knocking you through the bathroom door. You know, we, we do this so that it's comfortable for everybody. It's, it's a, it, it makes it easier for everyone to worship. So there's a lot of things that are happening on this platform. And we can't disgrace the instruments because being able to play an instrument is actually a God-given gift. And we're actually worshiping God with the ability to play a guitar or play a keyboard or sing beautifully. But the best way for me to explain it is like this. When the worship team goes off into the green room before we come up on the platform, I get the team in uh, the circle each week or whoever's the worship leader for that week. I get, I get all of us in a circle. And we just spent Wednesday night being here for a couple hours practicing. We got here, you know, two hours before worship started to practice and get everything ready. And then we're getting in the green room. We do a quick run through of the worship set. These are the transitions. These are the songs. These are the tags we're doing. These are the keys of everything. This person's leading that. This person's leading that. We, we run a, a refresher. And then we get done. Timer's going. Joe started the countdown. Timer's going. We got, we got two and a half minutes left. And I look at the team and I go, all right, we're going to pray. Because at this point, when we walk out that door, all bets are off. Doesn't matter if we're playing a wrong chord. Doesn't matter if we, we go in the wrong key. Doesn't matter if we go into the wrong song. We brought our best. We practiced for hours all week. We practiced on Wednesday night. We got here early. We practiced. We, did, we, brought, we are bringing the best that we can. We cannot get caught up if the lights don't change for one song, if the keyboard is, starts the song off on the wrong key. We can't get caught up in that. What we need to do is come looking to worship God, coming in to give him our best. It doesn't matter so much what's happening on the platform, more or less, what are we singing from our hearts? We don't ever want to be so consumed with our form of worship that we lose sight of why we are here. Because I have seen churches come and go because they come in and they become so fixated on what the people are doing on the platform and the songs that they're singing and, and how they're playing and that guitarist is playing too many solos and that drummer's hitting the cans too loud and I don't know what kind of pad that keyboardist is playing, you know, or they don't sing the song I like. And I've seen churches, people come into churches and go because they're so fixated on the form of worship, but they're not really focusing on why we're here. And like I said, don't get me wrong, there are correct and incorrect forms of worship. There, there's appropriate ways to do things and, and, and inappropriate ways to do things. And scripture can reveal that to us. But Abraham's heart here is in the right place. His heart here is genuine. It's authentic. It's difficult for us to imagine because it's his son that's here. But this is where God actually steps in. And he's about to change and correct this form of worship here. And so let's, let's keep reading on Genesis 22. Uh, yeah, in Genesis 22, we keep reading. It says, But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. 
He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. And fearing God is a position of our heart. Since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham looked and he saw a ram caught in a thicket. And by his horns, Abraham went up and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this day on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And so church, the last reason I mentioned this morning of why we worship God is we worship God for who he is. In this situation, God provides a ram. Jehovah Jireh, we worship God because he is a provider. The Lord will provide. And Abraham and Isaac worshiped God at that point because he provided not only the ram, but his son Isaac back to Abraham. Church, we sang a song this morning I keep bringing this up because I really want us to know we're very intentional about the worship songs that we sing here on a Sunday. We don't just pull them out of a hat and say, hey, these keys match. We want to make sure that we are singing songs on a Sunday morning where we are talking about who God is. We are singing about what God has done. We're singing about what God can do. And this morning we sang a song about how God is our living hope. We ended with this song. The song song is called Living Hope. It's by Phil Wickham. We ended with this song called Living Hope. And God is our hope. And, and God is our provider. And there's many names that we use in scripture to define who God is. And I just want to read a couple of them here. Um, I should have put them up on the slide. I don't know why I didn't, because these are incredibly difficult to pronounce. Jehovah Nisi is the Lord, my banner. Jehovah Ra, the Lord, my shepherd. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. Jehovah Shama, the Lord is there. Jehovah Tedekenu, the Lord, our righteousness. Jehovah Medkadeshakem the Lord who sanctifies you, and Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. In church, we sing songs every week about all of these. The Lord is my banner. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord heals. The Lord that is there. How many times do we sing songs? You know, we, think, we sing songs like Waymaker, God, you are here. God, you were there when it was difficult, when it was hard. Church, we sing these songs on Sunday during worship. And we sing these because we become reminded of those moments when God was there for us, when he watched over us, when he brought us peace. And like Abraham in this situation, provided. And maybe you're here this morning, maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, well, Jamie, I don't know. God has never really done anything for me that I can remember. Um, Well, I want to say this. Romans tells us this. It says, but God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, God has sent his son to earth to die for each one of us so that we can live eternally with him. That we can worship him. And we have an opportunity this morning to respond. Talking about responding in appreciation, responding to things that God has done for who God is, for what God can do. We do have a moment here to respond and we can show our appreciation to God by accepting a gift that he's trying to give us this morning. And that is, that is a gift of salvation. God wants to see us saved. And to accept this gift of salvation, it's very simple. You don't need to stand. You don't have to sing. You don't have to shout. You don't have to get down on your knees. You can, but you don't need to. All you need to do is say this prayer, either out loud or in your heart. And I want to give us an opportunity to say that prayer. So if you, if you would just repeat with me this morning and say, 
Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. And so church, if you prayed that prayer this morning, I want to celebrate with you. I want to give you something. And so the best way for us to connect um, is not by running up here once we're done and grabbing me, but to take that card that we handed each one of you this morning and to, and to, and to look at it. It says on the back, it says, I have, check the boxes that I have accepted Jesus. Or um, if today, you know, maybe you've accepted this gift of salvation before, but today you want to re-accept that as a, as a moment of recommitment, then there's a box right below that that says you're recommitting your life to Jesus. And so then check that box as well. I still want to connect with you. Um, and for everyone else, and for those who just checked those boxes, um, there are two other boxes on the back of that card. So if you guys want to all pull that out, um, the first one says, I commit to, um, or I will, um, read Genesis 22. I think it's always great to meditate on the word that was read here in church on Sunday. I think it's great to, to read it and bring remembrance back to what was shared this morning because I feel like a lot gets shared. Um, and, and I know more often than not, I'm going back through and reading what scriptures that pastor has read. And it brings back some things that I may have missed in the middle of, in the, middle of the, ser- in the service. And so I want to encourage us all to read that Genesis 22, that story of Abraham and Isaac. And then um, there is a second box there that says, read the lyrics of my favorite worship song. That's not my favorite worship song. That's your favorite worship song. Um, but for grammatical reasons, hopefully you guys read it, my favorite worship song. So it's your favorite worship song. Read the lyrics to your favorite worship song. And what I want us to do this week is to read, the, read those lyrics and, and see in that song where it talks about who God is or what he has done or what he can do. And does that song, does that song, and where does that song talk about those points? You know, I want us to really make sure that we are taking our worship to the next level, that we are really, because I know all of us are here because we want to worship God. We want to show God that appreciation. And so I want to help all of us this morning at really showing God that appreciation. Because I brought up the example with my wife and I can, I can, I can, I can show her appreciation, but if I don't know how she likes her coffee, then I could bring her, um, you know, black hot coffee and then she has to go and remake it herself because she doesn't like it black. She likes the Fruity Pebbles cream with a little bit of sugar, you know? And so what I want to do is I want to make sure that God doesn't have to go back and put the cream in his coffee. And so I want to make sure that we're really making that cup of coffee perfect for God and bringing him, bringing him our best. And so I, want, I hope this morning I was able to um, reveal a couple things um, about what God has done, what God can do, um, and who God is. Um, church, I want, to, I want to thank you so much for hearing my heart this morning. Uh, it was an honor and a blessing to worship, first worship with you all this morning um, and then be able to um, speak to you all. Uh, be blessed. I cannot wait um, to see what worship looks like in the weeks to come and what our worship looks like moving forward. Um, so church, God bless and Pastor Matt. Amen. We're going to get ready to take communion. So if you want to grab your communion cup and get it ready.